I'd like to welcome you to our podcast on Africa and impact investing. And today I'll be talking with Sam Nawaze, who is Chief Investment Officer at Ayers Holding. And Sam is really um, a trendsetter, one of the first impact investors in Africa. And he's going to be talking with us about social investing in Africa, the opportunities and the challenges. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, and he has uh, rolled up his sleeves with his colleagues at Ayers Holding to really understand how Africa can be driven by investors in Africa as part of an Afro-capitalism investment strategy. So with that, I'd like to have a warm welcome to Sam and look forward to getting your feedback on the podcast. Thank you. Let me go back and talk a bit about how uh, Hairs Holdings and the, the foundation, the Tony Elumelu Foundation, actually evolved. Um, our founder, Mr. Elumelu, uh, when he was leaving uh, the banking industry as CEO of one of, one of the largest banks on, on the continent, he wanted to do something that would fit into three things. One was he wanted to do something that taps into his own knowledge um, and experience that he's gathered over the years as an investor, a business manager. Um, two was that he wanted something that would um, see him continue to do stuff um, on the continent because he had a passion for Africa uh, as a continent. And then the third thing was he was looking for something that would also feed into his uh, philanthropic uh, instinct uh, as, as a person. Um, and so he set up two organizations at the same time. One was uh, Hairs Holdings, which is an investment company, purely commercial. Um, but it's a commercial investment company with a difference in the sense that we focus on long-term investments and we focus on investments that also have that creative developmental impact. So even though we were a commercial investor, he wanted to do investments that had the ability to create... Uh, uh, development for the African economy. And so, and this was because he strongly believed that for Africa to develop, you need to allow the private sector to take the lead and for the private sector to make investments that will transform Africa. It will provide a return to the commercial investor, but at the same time, it will lead to uh, development of, of, of the African economy. So that's, that's the driving force behind uh, his holdings. But at the same time, he realized that you know not all kinds of capital will be suitable for um, the kind of development we needed on the African economy. And so he wanted the foundation to uh, focus on the other side, where you have more soft capital, but also a lot of uh, capacity development to build entrepreneurs that will be able to, to use that capital. And so, Hairs was set up as an investment company to do those, you know, big commercial, traditional investments, but in sectors that have a developmental impact. And the foundation was set up to help to deepen entrepreneurship um, on, on, on the continent. And so, the foundation began to look at how best to do that. And over the years, to be honest, we've We've evolved uh, on the foundation side. We've um, gone from, you know, uh, setting up, uh, you know, funding uh, business school students to come to Africa and work in uh, organizations to providing uh, scholarship awards to uh, the best graduating students in, in, you know, in certain subjects in economics and medicine from the top universities in, in the school. 
um, to building an impact investing portfolio that will focus on doing investments that provide both a financial and social return on the continent, and that this is Africa-wide. Um, but now the foundation is kind of like focused on certain pillars. One of the pillars is uh, what we call the Africa Capitalism Institute, and Africa Capitalism basically describes the investment philosophy of Mr. Elumelu, which is private sector makes long-term investments in key sectors in the African economy to provide both a commercial return, but also with the underlying uh, motive of creating developmental impact. And it's because he strongly believes that doing business in Africa is different from doing business in other parts of the world, just because of where Africa is right now. Uh, the belief is that if you have an African capitalist mindset, um, that's when you get the best uh, kind of return. So it's, it's, no, you know, it's not just, um, uh, take a, for example, an, an oil company comes into the market to extract oil, but not just looking at extracting oil to create commercial return, but seeing how in carrying out those activities, you can you know, create development for the market by you know, building capacity locally, um, doing as much value add as you can locally on the continent as opposed to taking the resources out and, and um, bringing back the finished product. So his, the thinking was uh, to, to, to do that. And the African Capitalist Institute is set up to provide... Um, um, you know, academic knowledge and research and data and information that would help to guide how um, this Africa capitalism philosophy is, you know, eventually implemented in the system. So that's one of the major pillars. The other pillar of the foundation is um, right now the foundation, in terms of how it looks at is um, impact investing, is focusing more on creating. Um, future entrepreneurs because as we began to do impact investing in, uh, in the foundation one of the challenges amongst uh, many other challenges that we faced was lack of deal pipeline uh, you see a lot of opportunities or ideas that people bring to the table but most of those ideas are not at the stage where they can attract you know formal capital whether you look at it from um, uh, co fully commercial capital or you know soft capital or impact type capital because most times you know the entrepreneurs are not um, don't have the managerial capacity to move the business forward um, the ecosystem that is required for those businesses to thrive is really not there at that time um, or they simply just have an idea but have absolutely no knowledge on how it is to transform that idea to, to a business. Um, so the focus on the foundation was to, um, to set up a program uh, which we call the Tony Lumelo Entrepreneurship Program and to set aside about $100 million um, which we have committed to that program to build, um, you know, 10,000 entrepreneurs over, over the next 10 years. That's the target. And that target also feeds into the amount of jobs we see those entrepreneurs creating and also the impact it will have on, on the African economy. So it's an Africa-wide program, and what we do is we identify on an annual basis 1,000 uh, uh, entrepreneurs. They go through a rigorous program, um, first of all, of you know, applying. Those applications are reviewed by independent um, um, 
um, advisors who look at all those applications based on criteria that we have. And those criteria are both commercial and social in nature and have a lot of you know, creativity and innovation in it. And once they are selected, they begin. We put them through a rigorous program over the next one year, and that program involves, you know, a boot camp where they come around and they are taken through three days of very intense uh, training on entrepreneurship and building business. We uh, match them up with mentors. We have mentors that have applied to be part of the program who are attached to each entrepreneur and guide them through the life cycle of their of their businesses. We have an online resource platform that provides them with you know, information on you know, most of the uh, challenges or whatever it is they may be faced with. We support uh, many of the entrepreneurs from the um, Afrocapitalism Institute side by looking at what kind of uh, um, policy or regulatory issues uh, are hindrances to their businesses and see how we can push advocacy from that side. And then we continue to monitor and guide them. We also expose them actually to a network. We are creating a, a network of the entrepreneurs and also uh, uh, an angel network that will um, eventually look at the opportunities that come out from uh, this set of entrepreneurs that we are building. And the whole idea is that you want to deal with that issue of um, not having investable deals, but also create you know, great entrepreneurs that can... Um, leads to the growth of the economy. So there's a strong developmental angle to it. And the way the, the, uh, the uh, program is structured is that $100 million, half of that money is money that we are not expecting back at all. Um, is to help many people who are just starting out to find that initial capital that they need that doesn't come with the pressure of needing to pay it back. And it's something you find in most... Uh, uh, Western economies, uh, but it's something you don't find in Africa at all, uh, just because of our, our socio-economic dynamics. So, and then the other half of that hundred million dollars is supposed to be some form of investment, either equity or debt or, or some kind of mess structure that will provide a return and will be used to create additional entrepreneurs as we go forward. So that's one of the other pillars that the foundation focuses on. The foundation focuses on two other pillars: one that relates to identifying. Um, academic um, um, stars in top universities and universities across the continent and then providing them some initial type of scholarship award to encourage uh, education and academic uh, learning and then we also have another pillar that looks at um, investing in post-conflict uh, uh, post-conflict uh, um, societies within Africa so Places that have been troubled by war or, you know, like we have in Nigeria, terrorism or environmental damage like you have in the Niger Delta in Nigeria. We have a separate fund that is focused on helping to bring those communities back to life, either by investing in businesses or helping to start up businesses or in educational programs or, or whatever it is. So those are the things that the foundation uh, currently focuses on. But just to take a step back, it feeds into... Um, the philosophy of, you know, if we put our money to work in, a, in, a, in a, using normal principles you use in, in commercial investing, um, you'll be able to create developments in, in the economy. And so in terms of the, you know, your experiences and lessons learned, um, you've been experimenting and testing and trying and impact investing, and you came up with the entrepreneurship program. Mm -hmm. um, do you imagine other future iterations of what impact investing looks like? I know that initially 
um, impact investing and philanthropy were really going hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Is there something other that you you imagine happening with impact investing? Yeah. Other than the entrepreneurship program? Yeah, I think um, that, that's a good question. I think. Um, you know, in Africa, the whole concept of impact investment has been evolving. And, you know, it kind of like started many years ago where it was just pure plain aid, right? Where, you know, many, some African economies were dependent on, on aid. Um, there wasn't a sense that there were um, sustainable commercial opportunities in those economies that, you know, normal capital could go into. We've seen that move uh, to a situation where there's been a lot of uh, commercial capital flooding the, the markets and it's indicative of how you see how most of the uh, um, exchanges, the stock exchanges on the continent have grown in the last you know, 15, 20 years, thereabout. Um, and you analyze that, you find out that that is a lot of FDI flows that are coming into the market. And then you, have, you are now beginning to have a situation where um, investors are realizing that you know, to make a difference with their money in a market like in, in an African market, you need to look at investments a little bit different than you look at in other markets. So if I put in a, a billion dollars in a particular sector in Africa, but I'm unable to make that billion dollars create an environment where I have reduced you know, social conflicts or help in dealing with some of the social problems that I have, it has a negative effect on my business because I won't find the right human resource that I require because most people that I'm working with in the market are probably not as uh, educated or in a healthy state as I would require. Um, also, it creates a lot of backlash. We've seen that happen in places like South Africa in the mining industry where um, just because of the social um, the social status of a lot of the workers, you, it creates conflict and it affects the businesses themselves. We've also seen that happening in the oil industry in Nigeria with you know, attacks on the pipelines and kidnappings and all of that, simply because the communities in which many of these organizations operate are still operating at very low uh, social development uh, levels. So companies are beginning to realize that I have to do something. You know, There has to be a different way of investing. I have, have to put my money in, but put my money in with a different mindset. Many have tried traditional philanthropic activities. You know, you build a well here and uh, you know, there's water available for the community. But when the well dries up, they come back to you, 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 you build another well. To models that allow that well to be sustainable. And this fits in directly into the uh, nature of, of impact investing because each of those programs can become um, financially sustainable themselves if you think of them as businesses as opposed to uh, handouts. Um, and even though in Africa, you know, it's not as if this is, um, there's an explosion of this, but the realization is gradually uh, seeping in because you're finding many more organizations asking questions. Um, for us, for example, we've had organizations approach us to say, you know, I see what you guys are doing. Is there a way, you know, we could, you know, use your platform as a CSR uh, uh, engagement platform? Uh, as opposed to we just writing checks every year, we can see that there's something more sustainable that we can create in the society. So I think it's evolving, and I think what we we may be doing now today as a as a group um, we evolve over time um, as we see more and more of the market embrace uh, this uh, whole philosophy and, and way of doing business. 
Well, I think that you know, there's a there's a fast development of emerging economies in the continent, spurred by external resource extraction. Um, the Chinese, yeah. um, Brazil, the United States, uh, using oil. And so how do you find the um, African way of balancing environments, uh-huh. social, uh-huh. and innovation in a way that isn't traditional Western extraction uh-huh. or uh, external uh, forces extracting your resources so that, in fact, you're holding on to the things, the assets that are most important uh-huh. to the growth, long-term growth of your country, of the continent and Nigeria specifically. No, I mean, I mean, Gil, you make, you make a very good point. You know, and it's, um, it's almost like you're part of our strategy sessions <laughs> in, in, in the foundation. So, because one of the things that uh, is very clear um, you know, Africa has always been a commodity-based uh, market, commodity-based economy. We have very rich in natural resources on the continent. And in everything you can think of, you know, um, a lot of things that goes into uh, the process of production, uh, you find a lot of those natural resources in Africa. And what has happened historically is um, different, you know, companies and countries have, you know, come to the, to, the, to the continent to extract those resources and with very little value addition taking place locally. And it's a bit of a, I don't know if I'll call it a chicken and egg situation, but I mean, when many of these guys came into the market, economically, Africa wasn't at a stage where they were viable markets for um, for them to produce and sell their products to. So, I mean, to some extent, you can excuse that there was a lot of extraction taking place because the, the local market wasn't ready. But we've, we have seen Africa changing. Uh, we've been, the, the, most economies in the continent have been growing uh, not of 5% in the last 10, 15 years. And they are projected to even grow even, even more. We have a very young uh, population that is very active. Uh, we are seeing the growth of the middle class. You're seeing, a, you know, more consumer uh, uh, and consumption taking place. Disposable income is on the increase. Uh, discretionary income is on the increase. Uh, so, and there's, they're even more informed, more enlightened, more educated, more technology savvy. So there is a, you're looking at the continent that is very different from the continent that we had, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when a lot of... Uh, um, international investors began to come into the market. And the danger is if there isn't any form of value addition taking place locally, it begins to create even more conflicts in the future. Because now you have a young population and if unemployed, I mean, they are not gainfully engaged in some kind of an employment, it creates more crisis and problem. And that will have an, an effect on how many of these companies do businesses, uh, do business in, in the market. So there's been a shift policy-wise in a lot of African countries, you're seeing them trying to implement local content policies. Um, you're seeing them trying to diversify the economy away from just being commodity-based to other areas that can help to uh, bolster things. And you're seeing the need to create more uh, value addition locally. We do have some challenges to do a lot of, you know, value, move away from extraction to more value addition a lot of infrastructure issues need to be addressed. Issues around, you know, power, transportation, infrastructure, um, and a couple of these key infrastructure issues need to be addressed to make it to make the cost of producing locally uh, cheaper. And and I think policy-wise, if I just scan across the continent, I see I see that drive. 
There's a big push on, you know, dealing with the issues of power. There's a big push on improving the transportation infrastructure. Um, there is um, a lot of uh, policy um, change with respect to diversifying the economy that is beginning to create the right environment for local production as opposed to extraction, which we've had historically. So I think um, it's, it's very important as we, as you know, people look at the continent that you see how to do business on the continent, you know, um, if in order for whatever businesses we are doing to be sustainable in the, in the future. And I think, again, this is where having an impact investing mindset is very key to the way uh, as to how people do businesses with, with and engage with Africa. So, um, one last question. So you imagine us sitting here together for five years from now. Mm-hmm. What's Africa look like? What, what do you think that both all of the pillars that mm-hmm. you've laid out will accomplish? Mm-hmm. And what's your vision for the continent? No, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> in, in 2010, I uh, did a paper on... Uh, you know, I did, I did this for my boss on uh, the Africa that I see in, in, I think at that time it was in 10 years from then, which would be in 2020. And at that time, the, the patterns we were seeing in Africa was that we were seeing, you know, lower levels of uh, regional conflicts politically. Um, we were seeing gradual rise in uh, the middle class. Um, we're seeing uh, more informed, we're seeing increased flow of diaspora, people who are Africans who had gone out and have been well-educated, well-trained and very experienced, moving back home to set up uh, businesses. We've gone five years into that trend, and the impact of that is, if you walk around the continent, is clearly seen. Uh, you have a much more informed Africa than it was uh, couple of years ago. And my dream at that time, 10 years ago, was that in 2020, you know, I foresee an Africa where there will be higher regional integration. Because historically, Africa never used to do business with itself. We had ports that would take flowers from Mombasa to to Holland. And then you have ports that will import flowers from Holland to Lagos, right? And Africa never really interacted with them. And it has history because, I mean, most of Africa was colonized by, by Europe. And so they, they created the system that allows, makes it easier to move things to Europe and back to Africa. But nothing happening within Africa itself. But that is changing. We are having more increased number of uh, airlines flying within, you know, Africa than we did just even ten, five, ten years ago. Um, you are having because of the technology uh, that you know breaks down borders. You are having more integration with respect to how ideas are exchanged. You are seeing more businesses in Nigeria move to East Africa, business in South Africa move to to West Africa. You are seeing more in integration in that line. Many of the uh, regional economic zones are becoming more active. The you know the East Africa community, the ECOWAS, you know the SADC. You are seeing more of those kind of activities. And now there is even talk about building more regional uh, infrastructure in terms of rail lines and roads. So I, I see an Africa in 2020 that. Even though we are, you know, 54-odd uh, countries with different cultures, I see an Africa that is even more integrated in terms of and becoming, you know, a much powerful force and voice on, on, on the global scene. By then, we will hit a population of about 1.3 billion, depending on who you're talking to anyway. Um, and 
you know, a 1.3 billion population that is more integrated, that is, you know, young and enlightened, um, is a powerful force to reckon with, you know, globally. It may not be 2020, maybe 2025, but the vision I have of Africa in the future is one that is a major player on the on the on the global on the global scene.